You're listening to Those Dram Ginzers with your hosts, John and Zach. Hey everyone, I'm John. And I'm Zach. And welcome to Those Dram Ginzers, where we drink bourbon and talk about it. On this episode, I went down to the bourbon trail for a bachelor party for my friend. And I decided to bring the equipment with us to test out, you know, test out again another group recording. What was nice about this was there was a whole range of whiskey experiences that we had with the group of guys we were going. There were some that were a little bit more experienced. There were some that um, were just starting out. There's some that had never tried whiskey before. So it was interesting to get a lot of their takes on the specific one that we reviewed in this episode, which is going to be the Angel's Envy Rye Whiskey. The plan was to record both nights we were there, but, you know, if you've ever done the trail and you've done more than one in a day, you're pretty beat by the end of it. So we only got to record the one night, but it's still good because there's a lot of fun audio in here. Fair warning, <laughs> we do talk a little bit about rum. Just it kind of plays into the whiskey, the Angel's Envy Whiskey, if you know anything about it, so... Here is the audio from my trip. So before I go around and out, around the room and ask everybody about their their whiskey story, you know, how they got started in the whiskey, um, we started the day off by, this is the end of day one, we went to Angel's Envy today and had a nice little tour there, had a tasting, and then they have a nice little private bar that we got to go into after and have some more drinks. So, Heath, you want to start? Sure. Well, I'm a late comer when it comes to drinking. I only started drinking at 23, and then it took a few more years before I started getting into whiskey. And I think the biggest thing I took away from today is just the differences between bourbon and scotch. I've been to Scotland and toured distilleries, and they presented me with 10 or 12 different options in the gift shop. And today, mm -hmm. we had two options. We had the bourbon, and we had the rye mm -hmm. at Angel's Envy, and that was it. Mm -hmm. uh, Second thing I thought was interesting is the ingredients that go into bourbon. Like, it's, I guess, law in Scotland. It's only water, barley, and yeast. And here you have corn and you have other things that they're adding. So mm -hmm. There's many different layers to the different yeah. types of whiskeys. Yeah. Because today we just focused, they just talked about their bourbon that they have at Angel's Envy. That was all the toy. They didn't really get into their ride that much. A little bit at the end, but then mm -hmm. during the whole thing, they didn't really talk about it. Um, so cool. Do you have a favorite whiskey? And my go-to to drink is Basil Hayden. Basil Hayden. Generally. What about, so you're a Scotch fan, so what's your go-to Scotch? Talisker. Okay. Yeah. I love the Portree Talisker, which is a Talisker finished in sherry casks. Nice. It's really tasty. Another interesting thing today was the, the life cycle of the barrels, because you're in Scotland, and they say, all of our barrels come from Kentucky, right? All of our barrels come from Jim Beam. Or Not all. Today, they said all the Angel's Envy barrels go to Dewar's. Mm-hmm. Dewar's is made exclusively out of, like, I don't know, Angel's Envy barrels. Mm -hmm. And then they're finishing the barrels here, Angel's Envy, in port casts that come from Portugal. Mm -hmm. So there's yeah, all these barrels going back and forth across oh, yeah. the Atlantic. Mm -hmm. It really... Change hands a lot. Yeah, I find it really bizarre. Yeah. The rye barrel the rye barrel on all over the place. Yeah. yeah. They yeah. start in Europe, they're going to Barbados. Barbados. Because it was, uh, uh, yeah. Back. So mm -hmm. this, by the time you're getting into... Uh, you know, in the Angel's Envy, they're already 15 years old. 
possibly twenty, and there's so much depth to those barrels even yeah. before they put the rye into it. It's right. just... Yeah, and they so at the bar there they had the twenty one year old EXO uh, plantation, and so that may be what came out of those barrels. Right, and so it's been sitting mm. there for twenty one years, aging in the Caribbean sun. Ryan, how did you get started in whiskey? Uh, my long flight from LaGuardia. <laughs> long, long 45 minute flight from LaGuardia where I drank as much Waterford as I could. Um, my, the, the men in my wife's family all drink Manhattans. And so when we've spent time with them in the summer, it's kind of mm-hmm. like everybody's drinking Manhattans. It's what, just what we do. And mm-hmm. so, um, I've become a Manhattan guy over, uh, the years with her family. Um, so that's where I am, but I don't. I'm, I'm an amateur compared to you guys. I don't have a lot of uh, experience with tasting and how you're supposed to drink it and how you're supposed to watch the legs and nose it and all the different terminology and everything. So it was a cool experience for me uh, today, kind of getting a little bit of that intro on how to, how to taste things. And uh, what was it where you swish around in your mouth? Kentucky something. The like Kentucky the chew. chew. The Kentucky yeah. Chew. Which mm-hmm. I thought was tobacco for you. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Probably still is. Probably depends on the part of Kentucky you're in, maybe. Um, but I thought that was cool, where it was like, you know, kind of walking through, and that the, the flavor changes after a couple sips. Mm-hmm. You sip it this certain way, and you're supposed to smell it this certain way, and um, came to appreciate that a little bit. And then I was able to go into the bar afterwards and get a nice, girly cocktail made with bourbon, which is right up my alley. So it was and all their, all their drinks were off. Based off of like Willy Wonka, like yeah, things. yeah, yeah so pure so imagination. I, mine had a blue blueberry ice cube in it, so that was yeah. People <laughs> that know me, my drinking history would know that's right. You know, right up your alley. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Speaking Steve? of Manhattan, it looks like you need one. Yes, yeah, so we are drinking Buffalo Trace Manhattans <clears throat> with uh, what? What are the obviously with the the vermouth and the bitters? So we have a chocolate bitters, correct? Yeah, Scrappy's chocolate. Came highly recommended. Water Antica is the uh, version there. Okay. Yeah. Um, so the cherry. Steve, yeah. go ahead. So for me, oh, I So my, uh, I, I don't know if I remember my introduction to, to whiskey, but you know, it, along the lines of what Ryan was talking about with Manhattan, my, my wife's family uh, would go up there and they would have Manhattan Sundays, and which was like the greatest thing. Ever. You know, like if, if you're gonna have to go to your in-laws, at least you can join. Whiskey buyer up there, so mm-hmm. that was uh, that was a pretty standard thing for us. And uh, I was always a rum guy, you know, as I originally, and uh, kind of transitioned to whiskey. So I, I would say that my the way I got in there was through like the the Manhattan Sundays they mm-hmm. called it. And uh, you know, my go-to would be a, a Woodford Double Oat, mm-hmm. but uh, I, I really like the choice of the uh, the Basil Hayden that uh, you mentioned earlier. Mm-hmm. That's a, that's a, that's a very good one, top notch. Mm-hmm. It's been really impressive to see your move from Bacardi 151 to bourbon. (laughs) (laughs) You know, as we talk about that, I think that that's a false statement. I have never, ever, ever consumed Bacardi 151. I've never moved off of it. (laughs) And you're making those things up. And uh, that was least. Would you say it was fake news? That's fake news. (laughs) Got it. That was Steve's favorite in college. Thanks, Cashflow, for Love chiming it. in with that. <laughs> this is a rum podcast. <laughs> <laughs> rum podcasts don't get made. Everybody's drunk all the time. Yeah, true. Especially rum. Second Alex. Alex. I mean, if you listen to the past Alex. couple episodes, we've been drunk the entire time, too. So, <laughs> Alex? So I feel like I, too, am a recovered rum addict. 
see. Um, but I think the first time I really got into whiskey was drinking Jameson at a high school graduation party. I was out of high school at the time, for the record. Um, but they ran out of ginger ale, and we were like, ah, we're this far in at this point. Let's just keep drinking it straight. And then there was no going back from there. Wait, and was then, there originally ginger ale with the Jameson? Or were you was. drinking ginger ale, you ran out of ginger ale, and so you started drinking Jameson? No, there was... Jameson and ginger ale. Okay. But I think just from there, it was just kind of like experimenting with different things so you find something you like. And I, I mean, I really landed on probably more to the rye end of the spectrum is where I land. Um, I mean, my favorite for making an old-fashioned is probably Rittenhouse. Um, just, I don't know, I think it blends pretty well with the bitters and everything. Um, Manhattan's have kind of always been a thing that seems to be a theme tonight since we're drinking them. That was like my grandfather's favorite drink, so mm-hmm. it's kind of like some nostalgia for me every time I have one. Yeah. But um, I, I don't know, I tend to be more of either like an old fashioned or drinking it just like over a little bit of ice or meat. Um, I'm still on the whistle pig stuff, like for like drinking. Not all that, yeah. Which is yeah. kind of fun because I have a family that lives somewhere where their groundhogs are called whistle pigs, so it's like this family joke, so I That's just keep cool. buying Whistle pig's like the treat. It's like if you're in a splurge. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that bottle's lasted me a long time. I I want to step back, Ryan. I don't think you mentioned what, what what's your what's your go to? I don't know if I have a go to. I think I, I I'll do <laughs> I'll, I'll do Wood American Airlines serves wood first. So when they're when they're serving me then I'm drinking wood first. Um, when uh, I do make it or some my wife's family actually drinks Seagrooms, that's their go to whiskey in the Manhattans. Um, so I've had Seagrams in the liquor cabinet for a long time. Um, so I kind of bounced around Bullet. I've done some, so I don't know. Maybe this this weekend I'll find a new one. Settle, 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 settle on my go to. Yeah. Ryan. So I started drinking whiskey when I was nineteen. I started with Scotch, and uh, I was drinking it in it a fraternity house. And it was about as pretentious as you would imagine that scenario to be. Uh, but I've had a you know love affair with it ever since. Um, my go-to whiskey would be uh, Glenlivet 15 um, in Scotch, and I think for Manhattan's, I really love going back to the Bullet Rye. Mm-hmm. It's very good; stands mm-hmm. up well. Mixes uh, nicely with the vermouth and uh, plays plays well with the bitters. So. That Glenlivet 15 French oak is um, yeah one of my favorites. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, it's fantastic. Lee, um, so I think my first introduction to whiskey was Bushmills. Um, I'm sorry, I'm not. Uh, 12 year Um, I learned when I was in college that um, people stole alcohol from your room when you lived in the fraternity house (laughs) (laughs) that's hard to believe but when you had Irish whiskey nobody wanted it and so it Mm -hmm. gets stolen um but they Until the Irish but, exchange student came and stayed at the fraternity house. Yeah, she drank all of it. That did happen. Actually, <laughs> wow. but seriously, Kelly drank all of my that Irish whiskey. I didn't even go there and I hated these things. Yeah. It's impressive. Um, but yeah, that was the first introduction to whiskey. Um, 
after that, um, I enjoyed it. I've never really developed a taste for scotch, but I prefer rye. Um, and the first introduction I had to cocktails uh, was at a great restaurant in Pittsburgh that introduced me to a Manhattan, and my favorite cocktail of Eau Carre. Um, so I am also just really grateful to, to be here with all these guys and enjoying some awesome tours today at Angel's Envy um, to have a rye that was aged in rum barrels um, when, you know, whiskey's great and all, but rum is really nice. Mm -hmm. So, you said your favorite was the Evoker, what you say? Evoker. So, what is that? Um, it's beautiful. Yeah. Beauty of the Ryan, Ryan knows I'm sorry, is that the ingredients? I think that's what he's asking. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Beauty in a cup? Just a dash of beauty. It's, it's equal parts rye, sweet vermouth, and Corvassier. No. Uh, well. Uh-oh. <laughs> Uh-oh. Fight. 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 Uh, Fight. Fight. Yeah. Fight. Is it beauty Fight. in the eye Fight. of the beholder? It's so, so it's an ounce, it's an ounce each of rye, sweet vermouth, and cognac, mm. a tablespoon of St. Ben, uh, Benedictine's uh, liqueur, and then equal dashes of Angostura bitters and Peychaud's bitters. It tastes amazing. Yeah. And tastes not at all like there's any alcohol in it. Which can be good and bad. <laughs> yeah. It I mean, is, good because you don't taste so it, but it can be bad because you don't it taste it. It is arguably the first cocktail in the U.S. Uh, it yeah. It was born out in New Orleans. Um, it is. In the French Quarter. Tremendously ancient, but it is also just delicious. Mm -hmm. I don't know if your fact checker is going to get on all this stuff. First yeah, cocktail yeah. in the U.S., New Orleans. Yeah, we'll keep it. Check that on So I have a question for the crew. What is the bourbon that you just don't like? And, mm. I mean, and there's, of course, like... The, <laughs> Man, the, I really <laughs> love Deadspin's article about the 10 cheap bourbons ranked. Uh, I mean, I the, this the, the cheap crap says. is another story altogether, but like... Some of my friends who I work with love, love Hudson Baby Bourbon. And I taste it, and I just, I can't get into it. So we're going to get into the show's rating system later, but um, if, if you've listened There's to the past episodes, uh, we had one that we were just absolutely, just, no, uh-uh. Like, we've never been so sure of this is the worst thing I've ever had in my entire life. And it was Balcones Brimstone. It's a Texas whiskey. Okay. It sounds like it would be bad. Yeah. It's very bad. <laughs> they, <laughs> they, use, they, they need to work on their marketing. They use a... Some type of, like, I don't know, some sort of, like, wood or something. I don't know. It was horrible. We said it tasted like... Do you guys remember those blue square scooters that we used to have in, like, elementary school? It tasted like a scooter? It tasted plasticky. And then it just ended up that, and because we had had many that night prior, <laughs> scooter whiskey, and it ta we said it tasted like sweaty butt scooters. And so, wow, it's just oh, like what I used to like scooters. <laughs> it was a bit on the synthetic side. Oh, uh, very much so. Okay. So it was just it was a, it was interesting. Uh, yeah, Deadspin talked about one that tasted like a uh, like a oily mud bug. Oh, <laughs> interesting. Mm. Earthy in a bad way. Mm. I kind of have to say now, after going more towards the bourbon and rye of the spectrum, I just in general am not a fan of Irish 
whiskeys anymore. Mm-hmm. They just they can all seem to be lacking something. Um, I'm not really a big Scotch person, like Lee said, yeah. but for as much as I used to enjoy Irish whiskeys, I feel like now that I've gone so far over the spicy kind of flavorful side of it, there's just. Mm. I'd agree with that. Um, Bushmills gave me a start into whiskey, which gave me an appreciation for it. But I think that appreciating what wood can do in the aging process, mm-hmm. um, I think that's why I like this is awesome. Uh, whiskey's great. I I appreciate it. I'm amazed with what happens with rum in a barrel in the middle of the tropical sun. Mm-hmm. Um, just the way that it imparts the change in sugar. But that happens the same here. It's just much less sun. Mm-hmm. <laughs> definitely in Pittsburgh. D- definitely. Like it's so sunny there, I just can't do it. So, just awful. you two had talked about stuff you learned or something interesting you found out today at the distillery. We were, we were following instructions. Yeah, no, I was going to get to that later. Yeah. The whole, you know, Did anybody else, like, was there anything... That, like you Let, found let's new. talk about. I mean, let's talk about the rye today. I mean, that's a, that's a very different rye. You know, for what mm-hmm. people think about rye, the Angel's Envy rye. This one was the only bottle that I've seen. So, rice. John, I'll, I'll put you on the spot. Can you describe describe the typical rye? Describe huh? the difference in what you know the rye is at Angel's Envy. So, as as most of our listeners know, uh, both Zach and I hadn't had too many ryes prior to starting the show. And Zach was not a big fan of rye. He's starting to come around to it. But rye is typically with... Rye is typically spicier because it's just kind of like the rye grain kind of comes off like that. It doesn't have a lot of... Doesn't have, sometimes it doesn't even have any corn. Some, some of them... Some ryes do have a little bit of corn. Some of them don't. But this one goes through cognac barrels. So it's a cognac barrel... That is then taken to what did you say? Barbados. Barbados, Barbados. and then it becomes a rum barrel. It's a rum, yeah. And then fifteen to twenty years. Yeah, and then Angels Envy buys it and then sticks their rye in it. And what that does is it completely cuts out a lot of that spicy ryeness that you get with a lot of just straight up rye whiskey. Okay, it doesn't come off as a rye at all. I mean, nose to palate, it's completely different. Yeah, Um, it's sweet. You know, which is not what. Yeah, that's not a word you. I mean, you you get the rum. You definitely like on the nose. It's just straight up. I, I get rum more than yeah. Like, that's the first thing I think mm-hmm. when I tasted it mm-hmm. was rum. And I mean, I love rye. I I enjoyed drinking it. It was very wonderful to taste. But mm-hmm. I don't know that I'd want a whole bottle of it just because it it kind of took away the things I love about rye. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I think it's just it's so different. Like it really. I mean, mm-hmm. I there's other. I believe there's other like finished ryes, but like. It's a very novelty rye. Yes. It's a novelty rye. It's something like, if I bought a bottle of this, I'd probably have it for a while because it, I'd bring it out every once in a while it's, for someone to try. It's been interesting to see, too, the novelty of barreling certain things. And there's been a big kick of barreling beers where you mm-hmm. put a beer yeah. in a bourbon barrel mm-hmm. and it almost... I, I've never enjoyed a barreled beer. Okay. Um... It imparts an oakiness to the beer, and the novelty seems to be that it puts a, like a higher ABV to it because people mm-hmm. drop high ABV stouts and porters mm-hmm. in there, and it's almost as if the barrel will solve the problems of a poorly made beer. 
Because mm-hmm. um, it's part vanilla or part other flavors. Mm-hmm. You're trying to use something to fix something that wasn't made well in the first place. And maybe I just can't appreciate those. That's entirely possible. And that's the that's great thing about that. I think the finishing process of dropping a whiskey that's well made into a barrel, into a cask that has been imparted with mm-hmm. another spirit, um, there's almost this really interesting transfer, right? Um, there's a rum that's made. Um, oh, one fifty one. No, it is. <laughs> so I kind of run One fifty one. There's a rum that's made that is. It spends five years in uh, Guyana in rum barrels, and then it's transferred by ship across the sea, Spain, and it spends another five years in Guerra's sherry barrels. And so it imparts a completely different flavor. And then it's bottled. Hmm. Uh, the finishing process is a real thing. I think there's a lot of a lot of notes that are in that rye that I've never tasted in another whiskey. Mm-hmm. Um, and it I all can't com- imagine dropping it in a cocktail. It almost has to speak for itself. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And that's, again, such a, a, uh, a statement to the barrel. Because we've... Well, and to the person that's actually dropping it in the barrel. Right. They've got to figure out what barrel they want to put it in. Right, but what's... Some rums are finished in different barrels that, and casks that, um, you know, is this, in a, is this in a barrel that spent five years with the rum? Or is this in one that spent 20 years with the rum mm-hmm. in a rick house in the middle of the Caribbean sun? It's interesting to see how the demand for whiskey is just growing around the world, and mm-hmm. Japan's getting into whiskey. And mm-hmm. well, there was an article that came out a few days ago about how, for the first time ever, they're revising the Scotch standards about what is Scotch, what is not Scotch. Now Scotch can be finished in tequila barrels, and they're hmm. they're they're beginning to loosen those regulations and those rules just because of consumer demand, right. and because there's not enough barrels to go around, right. and. Now it's become a novelty, and like everyone yeah. and their mother's drinking scotch, and now wants to taste it and aged in different barrels. And mm-hmm. it's didn't, um, the, didn't the Japanese whiskey like beat all the scotch yeah. in a taste in a blind taste? What was it? Globalization. We don't have Yamazaki. regional drinks anymore. Yeah. We have drinks that are going to be globalized. Yamazaki. Right, right. Really? Mm-hmm. Um, I think to. incredible long read or at least a short a short book on tracing where barrels go like you're gonna end up editing this part out but (laughs) one of the best like most fascinating articles i read in the last five years was actually an article about pallets okay Mm -hmm. as mundane of a topic as that is um how pallets go from tree to object to transferred and used throughout the entire economic system is a fascinating thing. And so barrels are this microcosm of that. They're a finished product that a cooperage makes with one end use intention. And then all of a sudden at the end of their life at six years, six to eight, what, four to six to eight years? Even longer, yeah. Um, mm-hmm. So it's done there. What do you do with it? 
like one of the things we saw with the with Angel's Envy is they're really focused in on having low waste. Mm -hmm. Whether it is um, a lot of them are moving to that too it's now. Transferring out um, spent stillage grains mm -hmm. um, to farmers, it's amazing that they've been able to get farmers to buy them because it's something that they need to get rid of. Otherwise, it goes mm -hmm. in the landfill. Um, or spent barrels to be able to just put them in a shipping container and send them to Scotland. What are you going to do with them after that? Like tracing where a barrel goes after this mm -hmm. is a fascinating story to me. What did that barrel hold? Yeah, because and they're I've disassembled got... and reassembled when they make it back across the side of Atlantic, and then they're charred and then charred again up to like five times until there's just nothing left of them. Yeah, and when there's nothing left of them, they're sawn in half, sold to tractor supply, and they're sent out for landscaping purposes. Or somebody <laughs> makes a really bougie coffee table. Yeah. <laughs> So it's like the story of the barrel, like if anybody wants to write that, I'm down for that because I'm <laughs> sure we can find a publisher and it'd be a blast. It's amazing Cheers. to me how whiskey still maintains its place and like our importance and our economy and our priorities that, you know, I was just in Scotland tasting all these French oak barrel scotches and yet there's all these articles going around about with Notre Dame catching on fire, they didn't have enough oak to rebuild the roof so they're going to get all the timber from Canada and the US to rebuild Notre Dame but they're still churning out tens of thousands of oak scotch barrels and sending them up to Scotland and I was just like I, was just, and I don't know if there's a there there but I was thinking about the way that we prioritize things and the way that the, you know the, the economy of the whiskey and scotch industry works I think it's fascinating I'm bowled over by barrels. <laughs> but it's just, it's it's an amazing thing that you can look at two barrels side by side. Same distillate goes into it, right? Everything about like how that barrel was made was exactly the same. And again, they're right next to each other in Rick House. But you pull those out and you taste those whiskeys after they've matured enough. They could be completely different. They're right next to each other, but also like they're five stories up. And mm -hmm. so what was fascinating to me is... Angel's Envy won't rotate their barrels. Once they're in the rickhouse, yeah. it sounds like they're stable. They're not moving. Um, rum distilleries will move their barrels from mm -hmm. top shelf to bottom mm -hmm. shelf. They'll rotate their stock mm -hmm. because of exposure to sun, exposure to wind, mm -hmm. everything like that. So yeah, they, they said at Angel's Envy that their approach to that is just to mix the barrels mm -hmm. after they come out, right? Yeah, Angel's just, Envy is a blend. So yeah. they're, they're pulling one from here, 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 and here, and seeing, yeah. okay, these these ones will be a good combo, so let's go ahead and blend these right. together. And yeah. I think they said they blend, they do the blending process twice. Like, they, you know, once when it comes out of the yeah, barrels into mm -hmm. the, the finishing mm -hmm. barrels, and then when it comes out of the finishing yeah, barrels. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. So I thought, I thought that was interesting, too, that the, the barrels yeah. don't stand on their own, and that's their way yeah. of getting to... Mm -hmm. Um, consistency in terms of their product and everything, and I don't, I have no concept of whether that's standard across the industry or whether that's unique to them. But I feel like consistency has got to be the biggest struggle in the spirits industry. Like, thinking from moving from a smaller distiller mm. to a larger distiller, having a consistent product, like even thinking of brewing, you may have a great IPA recipe. <clears throat> But is it the same from what you get in the spring to what you get in the fall? 
And consistency is important. And and I think consistency is a virtue unless you suck. Well, but I, I feel like I feel like real uh, connoisseurs. I'm a Pirates of, fan. I can say that. I feel like real real connoisseurs of bourbon might like it if they don't know exactly what the bottle's going to hold, right? Like, it'd be, it would be interesting to be like, oh, I kind of like this one. It's a little more this or a little more that. Whereas, but I, I think across the board, you're not going to make a business out of that, right? Your your base customer needs to know that when they pull Angel's Envy off the shelf, it's going to taste like Angel's Envy. But I'm sure there's some subset of the population that would um, come to appreciate the fact that there's some variety in it. But that feels like they cut corners. You know, they can't, they can't yeah. find a way to produce yeah. some like product time over time. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, the interesting thing, too, is it, what we saw today, there was certainly mechanized aspects of it, but there's still a lot that's manual that they do. Yeah. And to mm-hmm. scale that quickly, like if something catches on, or in their, I mean, in their case, they've been in that building for what, like four or five years. I think it broke ground in 2013, yeah. It keeps growing and growing. So they started off somewhere else before moving to that building Mm -hmm. with one process into a whole new building, state-of-the-art, everything. Mm -hmm. And to try and maintain the same taste, consistency, everything. Mm -hmm. That's going to be interesting to see as that grows, too. I thought thought the business, I mean, I'm the accountant in the group, but I thought the business element of it was really interesting, too, in that... You start, you guys started a distillery and you don't have a first dollar of revenue that comes in for six years. Like, how mm-hmm. big do you make the distillery, right? Yeah. And they were doing it small batch as they went and then they decided to break ground. Mm-hmm. Now you're breaking ground. How big do you make your new distillery that you're mm-hmm. building? Because now you're another six years off from and the that's, a, a And that's the issue that they're, they're all running into is, you know, a lot of these things, you know, average, I think, is usually around four to eight years for a typical one if it doesn't have an age statement on it. Like, whatever they're working on now, you have to hope that in six to eight years when that's done and you pop that out, that it's still a, a wanted commodity right. uh, of, of whatever you're making. Did you yeah. also see you don't want the, the market to drop out? Right. One thing that was interesting, they, they emphasized, at least our, our tour guide emphasized that they're using ruby port barrels mm-hmm. for a lot for of the their, barbecue, yeah. for a lot of their port for the mm-hmm. for aging the secondary aging of the mm-hmm. um, bourbon. Did you notice the label that was on the port barrels? I do not. I'm not as familiar with port as as you Tawny. Know. Mm-hmm. I saw that. I didn't know. Tawny what is that? Port, uh, Tawny port is a completely different style of port. Tawny really, port is aged longer. Interesting. And so it's going to be Those really interesting to see if those barrels produce a similar product mm-hmm. and what change is going to happen in the Angel's Envy bourbon will mm-hmm. be detectable but Tawny is not Ruby so there's one thing that we haven't really chatted about that is the name of Angel's Envy comes from the um, Angel Share which is the evaporation that happens right mm-hmm. when it, mm-hmm. you know as it ages there's a certain percentage of the barrel that's lost yep. to evaporation called the Angel Share and What's left is called Angels in B. Ha ha, we get it. So a rating system we do with the show is it's based off of a buy bar pass, right? Buy meaning go buy. It's, if you find a bottle, just bring it home, have it at your house consistently. Uh, bar is you're, you're kind of on the fence about it. You're not really sure if uh, maybe you want to try it at a bar first. See if you really like it. Like try it for yourself. Don't take our word for it. And then the pass is just, no, this isn't good. Get rid of it. But because we're Yinzers, we put a Yinzer twist on it. So a buy is a has, 
you want to buy a bar and bring it back to your house. A bar is um, a Dantan. So you want to go to a bar Dantan and try it. And a pass is throw it out. It's bad. Just throw it out in the trash. Don't even, you know, bother with it. So we'll go around. in the garden. Pass, then and throw it at. We just pour it in the garden. So we'll go around. I want to give you a rating. Now, because we, even though we did try the bourbon at the tour, we all had, we all tasted the rye. So let's, let's, let's rate the rye. So we're going to go around, rate it Haas, Dantan, or throw it out. So what do you, what do you say? Haas. Haas? I go Dantan. Okay. See, but how do you take price into consideration for price that. affects it because you know i i think it's so it's the rise neat. 90 dollars it's neat yeah it's neat it's a great not at 89.99 so but in pa it's 90 what do we say 95 that's a it's great PA? yeah sometimes very very rare right now so they you just can get, you get the bourbon pretty regularly you can rarely get the, the rye actually if we were looking at the, at the site today it was available today. i think they just got the shipment they must have just yeah. got the shipment so 95 but you know, can you just answer the question? I'm sorry. I'm it was sorry. a very simple question. Listen, Zach and I, I Zach and I, I talk us around. The financial analysis <laughs> later. Just tell it's us great. if you're going to take it to Eaton Park. It's great as a novelty. <laughs> it's a great novelty, but at ninety dollars, at $90, it's a pass. A what? It's a pass. Uh, sorry, an app. For an app. Okay. An app. You threw yeah. that up. I think I'd actually have to say it's a it's an throw an app. Well, at that price, it's just uh, for the, the cost, and to me, as someone that really likes rye, it's, it's not really a rye to me because mm-hmm. it's it's crazy different. Yeah, yeah, that's fine, right? I'd, I'd say it's a downtown. Mm-hmm. Yeah, something worth trying if you go out, you see it. Mm-hmm. I think it's an experience worth having at least once. Decide mm-hmm. if you like it or not. Um, you know, I wouldn't be picking up a bottle to. You know, have around the house or mix into anything. Mm-hmm. I'm not sure how how well it stood up in a cocktail. Mm-hmm. Yeah, did any of us have a cocktail with it? Yeah, mine I was did. a bourbon. I did. I wouldn't do the rye cocktail, Ryan. Yeah, and the cocktail was good, but there was none of. I mean, the similar kind of point to what you all experienced when you tried it by itself. There wasn't that kind of spirit of the rye mm-hmm. in the cocktail. Mm-hmm. You know, it, it was a really nice cocktail. It was very smooth. If I tasted that blind, I would But are you buying are you buying a ninety dollar right. mix? I'm not yeah, gonna buy yeah, a ninety dollar bottle of yeah. mix. That was a that was a twenty dollar cocktail mm-hmm. using a ninety dollar bottle of mm-hmm. like rye and rye. it was good, but it wasn't mm-hmm. I guess, that level did you? Yeah. Lee? Um so I'm a different sort of buyer. Um to me this drinks like rum. Mm-hmm. Um and I love aged rum. Mm-hmm. It's my favorite spirit. I have 5, 12, 15, 18, and 21 year old rums. <laughs> so, uh, when I want to start like a rum podcast, I should call you. You should call me when you want to discuss a rum podcast. Um, uh, my favorite experiences in enjoying spirits um, are primarily uh, with El Dorado rum, with Heath and our friend Tug uh, in hammocks. In the middle of the Guyanese jungle, but um, but this, back to the bourbon. That's this right. to me is the kind of thing that I would look <clears> at and say, "Well, geez, I, uh, when we walked into the liquor store tonight, mm-hmm. 
I asked, do they have Jefferson's age this year? Mm-hmm. Okay. That's the thing that at the PA State Store, that one's like 80 bucks, but it's also amazing. Mm-hmm. And I know it's amazing. Mm-hmm. And given the right circumstance where I've got the right people coming over, I want to serve the right neat whiskey mm-hmm. or rye, if I know my audience, I want to have that there. But to just have that at home, man, you know, I'd love that that'd be great, but I don't know that I can do that. But I would love to have that at home at the home bar. So this is a ass. It'd be awesome, but it's the kind of thing that it's going to be there for ten. It's a pass. Here's the fact. Here's the fact. Ten to twelve. Nobody years. bought it today. They had multiple opportunities. Somebody right. bought it. There's there's a a bottle. 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 There's yeah. a bottle of it on the table. So So what do you pick? Which one do you pick? I think it's a going out. Because I don't have... Uh, it's, it's, a it's a down time. It's a down time. It's a down time. I'm going to East Liberty. I'm going to have it. Go slip. He's I'm going out. Yeah. Um, but I'd love to have it at home. But I think I'm the rum drinker of the group, mm-hmm. along with Heath. And I think like that appeals more to the rum person than the rye or the whiskey mm-hmm. person. Am I wrong? No, you're 100%. No, maybe I just drink too much. But my idea, like, if I'm here in Louisville doing a bourbon trail tour, I walk in, I'm like, what can I buy here that I can't buy in yep. D.C.? Bingo. And I think, and that's something that you and that's what I'm are not going to find here. That's what I'm excited about for Wild Turkey tomorrow. Yeah. 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 So for me, I, I'm going to put it as a downtown as well. Um, I don't hate it. I thought it was a very interesting from a rum perspective because it really smelled like a rum... Um, on the nose. The palate has a little bit of a rye kick to it, but uh, for me, it's downtime because I think so, if if you're into that novelty thing or you are a rum drinker, you should try it first and then and then take it. It's off. awesome. He's but I like to get in every... I thought this was interesting because usually the guys just... Usually our listeners just hear me and Zach's opinion, so it was interesting to get everyone's has a different experience here. We have some rum. I know that was captured right It was captured, yeah. He's trying to make a point here. Everybody has a rum. And now he's a rum. And now he's a rum. And now he's a rum. All right, so as you can tell, we had a lot of fun. It was a good time. I hope you enjoyed this this little bit of a different episode. Please check out all of our social medias at TD Yinzers, Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Check out our Patreon page to, if you want to uh, support the show. Another way to support the show is also with our Threadless page. But you can head to PittsburghWhiskeyFriends.com to find all the links for our social media, the Patreon, and the Threadless. And if you're listening to this episode before July 13th, make sure to come on down to the Whiskey Rebellion Festival in Washington, PA. Zach and I are going to have a booth under the main pavilion, and we're going to be recording throughout the day. We're going to be interviewing different um, people involved with the, the festival, maybe some even some of the, the actors that are there, and some of the distillers that are partaking in the Whiskey Walk. So for all the information on that, you can go to whiskeyrebellionfestival.com. We hope to see you there. Thank you again, and as always, cheers to you.